This is Joseph Malazzi, executive producer, writer, creator, Dark Manor, executive producer, writer, Stargate, SG-1, Atlantis, Universe, and you're listening to Spoiler Country. Human beings of the world, it's time to enter the spoiler-verse through our secret portal at the exclusive Arctic Club in beautiful downtown Seattle with John and Kendrick. Welcome to Spoiler Country. Hey, if you're listening to our show for the first time and you're on one of the social medias that we're on, like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, any of those kinds of things, you should always check us out on scpod.net. But if you want to keep up with our latest episodes, you should bring out your smartphone, get into your favorite podcatcher, find Spoiler Country, and hit subscribe. Then you'll get all our new stuff. And if you want to reach out to us, you can do that in two ways. You can call us, leave us a voicemail at 707-656-2080. Again, 707-656-2080. Or you can shoot us an email at spoilercountry at gmail.com. Citizens of the Republic of Spoilerverse, welcome back to Spoiler Country. I'm Kenneth Regan. That's Mr. Horsley. And today on the show, well, if you're a Stargate Atlantis fan or Stargate Universe or Stargate SG-1, then you're going to want to pay attention in this one because we have executive producer, showrunner, writer, Joseph Malazzi on. Yeah. Not only did he do Stargate, but he also did Dark Matter. Yep. And he was the creator and comic book writer and showrunner of Dark Matter. And this guy is actually quite amazing. And he's a really super nice guy. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it's a really fun interview. A lot of good information. A lot of good a lot of good nerd talk. It was really good. A lot of Stargate. Jeff was a super geek on Stargate and he had a lot of questions. And he got a lot if you're a Stargate fan, this is the show for you. Oh yeah, I mean you got you got you got questions, we got answers. Well, yeah. Joseph's got answers. We don't have answers. Yeah, Joseph got answers. Yeah. We just listened. Yeah, we, just, <laughs> we just listened to the questions and answers. We had fun, though. <laughs> we'll sit back and listen to Joseph in his own words. All right, guys. Thanks for coming back. Today, we're excited because if you're a Stargate fan, if you're a Dark Matters fan, and... You know, you love comic books. You love all this stuff around the sci-fi. Well, all this amazing sci-fi stuff on TV and and in the books and everything. Then you're going to love today's interview because we have Joseph Malazzi on with us. Joseph, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Exciting times, huh? Kind of weird. We're all kind of huddled in our homes, practicing social distancing. It is it is weird, but it gives us the opportunity to catch up on our uh, reading. Wednesday and and Thursday mornings are my comic book uh, days, where I basically just try nice. to catch up on all the new releases, and uh, and then I usually do a blog post on Thursday where I, I I give a rundown of usually my top my top reads of the week. So I want to try to get everything done by then. Yeah, are you uh, uh, more of a superhero guy, or do you get into the independence or? Um, a a little of both. I mean, I grew up as a superhero guy. I mean, you know, this is the way it always worked for me, uh, throughout my life. 
you know, I would read comics and then I'd just kind of lose interest and, and I would not read for a couple of years and then I would just pick up everything. Yeah. And I would, I would just kind of drop the title as I, as I would lose interest. I mean, I'm always kind of drawn to the, to the superheroes because, you know, that's what I grew up with, but I like a lot of the non superhero stuff like, you know, saga and, and, you know, I'm just reading a couple of other things. Uh, uh, there's a book I just picked up this week called Heartbeat. It's no. kind of weird and wonderful. And another one called Bang by um, was it Matt Matt Kint, who's a yeah. mad genius. Yep. And uh, and uh, yeah, just interesting titles. I think Matt's I like coming on soon. Oh, amazing! Yeah, we got well, Matt's title for a couple weeks now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah Matt's coming on, and we get we get the gambit here, Joseph. We don't mess around. <laughs> <laughs> well, you tell him hi. <laughs> we will. You know who we had on. Just a little bit ago, we had Corin Nemec on. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen Corin in ages. Yeah. We talked about Stargate. He's actually coming on mm-hmm. in April, and we're going to do a Stargate-only episode about his time on Stargate, what he loves about Stargate. Amazing. And then he wants to – and then I don't know if you saw, he's like saying he wants it to come back. And I know that you oh, yeah. had a huge thing, and if people don't know – uh, Joseph was one of the main writers and creators of Stargate, the TV show from 2001 to when? Uh, when did we finish? 2000? Was it 2010? Yeah, you, you had a long run on there. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. Yeah, my read, my uh, former... Sorry, what? Go ahead, John. Uh, Stargate Universe went off the air in 2011. Oh, 2011. Yeah, there we go. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there for 12 years with my former writing partner and... Uh, we joined in season four and it was with the understanding that the show would go till season five as most shows did and then we'd be done. And but then we made the move in, um, see for season six to uh, sci-fi. They picked us up. Yeah. And, uh, and then we just kept on getting picked up and every year we thought we were done and every year we would get picked up for another season until season 10, which was a year that I, for some reason, finally felt confident we would come back for season 11. And that was the year that, uh, we did not come back, sadly. <laughs> we're coming back. Oh, no, we're not. Yeah, exactly. We almost actually did come back. At, you know, this was um, at a time when, just before, like, way before uh, Apple got, like, I guess, really, really, really huge and in, into uh, into uh, television. Well, you know, I mean, they're in television now, but Pre-Apple they wanted TV. to save, yeah, Stargate. They wanted to save Stargate and, uh, and have launch an excuse to be the, be, you know, the, the, uh, they weren't a broadcaster, but essentially the, in a way, sort of the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the ones who saved, uh, Stargate. And so they were in talks to save SG one and do a season 11. And, uh, unfortunately our, uh, contract with sci-fi would not, uh, allow it. So Ugh. sadly it was, it was, it was not to be. It was pesky sci-fi contracts there. We had well, we had James yeah. Rowland, the creator of Blood Drive, on, and that's what's stopping him from doing a season two. And he has like two and three mapped out, but he can't do them because Sci-Fi, NBC, Universal won't release that. They'll release it, but the the amount of money they want is too exorbitant. Mm, mm. I I empathize to a certain degree, and yeah, you know, this is not the same situation, but uh, yeah. you know, Dark Matter was kind of the same thing. I had like a five year plan, and and uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, it was cut short. I, I love your YouTube videos because you're like going, doing all the behind the scenes and doing the bloopers and then showing when you're doing them, when you're revealing to the actors who the mole is 
for Dark mm-hmm, Matters, mm-hmm. and it was just hilarious their reaction because they all didn't know. You know what I mean? And you never, no. you don't get that sense when you watch TV when you have a big reveal like that. You don't realize that the actors actually don't know until they're shooting. You know, <laughs> and like you did the, a great well, thing. It really depends. I mean, they they know when the script uh, comes out, and right. uh, you know, usually you do your your uh, your table read at least like a week before production. But in this case. I just refer to the mole as the mole is revealed. So even in the in the uh, read through, they didn't know, and I, I made sure that you know it was one of the last uh, scenes of the season. So essentially, we you know there, there was originally actually a, a, a scene that it was it was shot, but it was actually never shown. Where where essentially um, two is shocked and goes down, and 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 we kind of pan up these these booted legs and reveal. Uh, six as the mole, but in the end, you know, we just decided to do the reveal and like, that final shot where they're all kind of uh, um, carried out, and uh, and he's uh, you know very much conscious and 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 clearly knows what he's doing and walking out, and that was our like, kind of last, our uh, you know our, our, the way we 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 elected to to reveal it on screen. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's, that's brilliant, though. And, and I just loved your, your – because, I don't know, it just seemed like the behind-the-scenes look, it just seems like you had, like, a family-type atmosphere. And you can see it come through in your in your YouTube channels. Yeah, it's something that actually I l- learned from Stargate. I mean, we, you know, Paul and I joined uh, the franchise during SG-1's the start of the fourth season. And Brad Wright and Robert Cooper, who were the co-showrunners, uh, they kind of worked out all the kinks. And, and one of the things that Brad always said to me was LTF. Uh, to LTS, life's too short. So if ever I wanted to cast someone and he basically had heard that they were assholes, then we wouldn't cast them. So right. it was a relatively asshole-free set. And <laughs> you know, TV is, is challenging enough as, as it is, and you don't really need to put up with like garbage people. And so essentially that's um, kind of the philosophy that I that I brought to, to, to dark matter as well. It was kind of an LTS and asshole free zone. That's awesome. And I was always hardened by the fact that whenever, you know, guest stars would come on the show, they would say, wow, you know, it's, it, it's really, you know, it's a really great on set atmosphere, which, which, you know, I, I, I was happy about. <laughs> I got to ask you when you go on to YouTube and I, and I, cause I always try to do more research with people when they, before they come on, you know, just to have more <laughs> things and what's mm-hmm. going on. There's another Joseph Malazzi on YouTube, unless it's you, and they have all these 1950s cars and garage, and they do these videos of them showing off their hot rods. Definitely not me. That's pretty cool. You should check it out. Yeah, sorry, that would have been it. Would have been interesting. (laughs) Just but alas, just go to YouTube and put your name in, and it comes right up. (laughs) That's weird. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, oh my god, is this him? Huh. It's so you're going to have to busy uh, table all your uh, uh, vintage car questions, sadly. Right. That, that was the whole interview. This will greatly curtail this, uh, this interview. So, that was nice talking to you. Yeah, it was really nice talking to you. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Joseph. How disappointing. How disappointing. <laughs> so Jeff is uh, – he, he's our he, – well, he's our publicist. And he gets out there and he gets all of our – most of our – well, actually nowadays, all of our interviews – and on some of the interviews, he requires us to allow him to be on. And so, mm-hmm. he's, and those are the ones that he's a super fan of. And 
today he was like, I have you to be on this interview. So mean, like, we're always telling him no. Yeah, we do. We so always mean. push Jeff. I'm kidding. No, Jeff can do whatever he wants with, <laughs> around here. But he did. But but the ones that he really wants to be on that he's because he's a super fan of your stuff and he has a lot of Stargate well, questions. So I'm going to let him uh, take over. Oh, I am touched. Fire away, Jeff. Jeff, turn your mic you, on, Jeff. Yeah, turn your mic on, Jeff. <laughs> uh, sorry, my, didn't I just I have that I conversation earlier you. that I knew I was going to talk with the mic off? Oh, there we go. <laughs> this is my introduction to Joseph. <laughs> All right, sorry. Anyways, thank you very much, sir. Um, my first question is, uh, once again, someone, a lot of people like me love Stargate. It has a very strong following, sort of like Star Trek and Star Wars. So why do you think Stargate has survived so long and with such fanfare? And how do you th- and why do you think it entered into the collective conscience the way it has? Um, honestly, I mean, it's, it's something I, I, I always say, you know, in fact, I said it just today. I, I'm basically I was interviewing for a show running position for this new uh, sci fi series that they're doing. And I, I just said it's kind of like my philosophy. I learned very early on on Stargate that that viewers will tune in for the hook, but they'll stay for the characters. And sci fi is just. If it's done right, um, you know, it, it has a way of really resonating with 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 the audience, with the sci-fi audience in particular. Because I think the I the sci-fi audience is, I mean, very audience. They're incredibly passionate, and that can be like a you know a double-edged sword. But I mean, you know, ultimately it comes down to whether it's um, you know the crew of the Enterprise or or, or you know. Um, you know, SG one going through the gate. Um, it's really about almost like you're, you're checking in with a second family of sorts. And, you know, it's something as a philosophy that I brought to dark matter. When, when I first started dark matter, I, you know, I, the characters essentially start off as distrustful of one another. And then over the course of the the, the show, they come together as kind of family. And there's that family unit, I think at the heart of all really great sci-fi and not, you know, um, necessarily, you know, um, uh, uh, like blood family, but I'm talking about, you know, there's a camaraderie that really typified Stargate that I think, uh, a lot of the fans loved. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, dark and gritty sci-fi that, uh, um, you know, at the end of the day, basically, it's, it's critically lauded, but um, maybe it doesn't get as many viewers because I just don't think emotionally it resonates with fandom. But, you know, that's, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I'm not the guy making the decision <laughs> decisions about what gets, uh, what gets aired or what's get green, what gets uh, greenlit. So, uh, you know, I, I, I would... I would love to see more of this type of, of, uh, of sci-fi like Star Trek. I mean, I haven't seen the Orville, but I think if it, uh, you know, uh, follows kind of the same template. The Orville yeah, is I like great. a lot of the actors from Orville. It's good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll check it out. I got the time now. Um, so, I mean, what was best about Stargate? Like, as you said, it's the core group, the core four had such great chemistry with, with each other. And a lot of that has to come from the writing, such as, what you did. So when you you jumped on in the fourth season, how did you find the voice for each character? Um, well, first of all, you know, we, we obviously researched the show. Um, uh, and and really, I mean, I, I guess we, we just had, we, 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 
we got a good sense of the tone and we were able to capture the tone. Um, you know, I'd heard that Brad and Robert had had trouble finding writers before we came along. And, you know, even after we came along, we always had trouble finding writers because uh, more often than not, it's not because a writer is talented or not. It's just their ability to get a show. And, you know, there, there are certain shows that, you know, I would never be able to write for, um, you know, but, but Stargate was one that I was able to write for just because, I guess I got it tonally, and and really that's also comes from the characters as well. I mean, you know, they're, they're, all four of them had a very you know distinguished, uh, distinct voices. Um, but you know, Rick as 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 O'Neill was really the uh, the driving force, and if you got his voice, everything else kind of fell into place. And he would he would let you know if uh, if you hadn't gotten his voice because you know he read all the scripts and he would always you know make notes particularly with regard to his dialogue and then you know i mean half the time you would watch the dailies and he would you know change something and you would be either pleasantly surprised or horrified but uh you know i was working with rick and it was fun <laughs> now were all the actors very involved in um the writing of their characters or mostly was just um uh, uh, mr D- uh, rick dean yeah, no, Rick Rick was just involved from the beginning as an executive producer. So, I mean, he read all the scripts and he watched all the cuts and he would uh, weigh in. But, I mean, that doesn't mean that the other actors weren't involved. I mean, Michael Shanks was, like, very involved with his character and, and you know, um, you know, would always come up and, 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 and have requests or, you know, give suggestions. And, you know, Amanda to a lesser extent, but, but you know, as well. And, and Chris was a little more easygoing about it but i mean you know every actor has you know their own process so um you know it it it, it just differs by by actors i mean on uh, on atlantis jason momoa was like very involved in in uh in you know his character and he you know pitched some ideas for for you know what he wanted to see and you know, wanted to see a dark side uh ronin so i was gonna say conan uh conan uh, <laughs> a dark side ronin so basically you know we did uh you know um reunion and broken ties which were you know two episodes where i think you know he uh uh, he really, uh, you know, flexed his uh, act- acting muscles. But I mean, it really depends on on the actors. I've worked with actors who, you know, wanted to be very involved and 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 really were very vocal about what they wanted to see, and other actors who just kind of trusted us and and let us do our thing. So, hey, Jeff, let me let me interject real quick. I got a question f- for you, Joseph. Working with someone like uh, Momoa, what was it like to see somebody just? launch into the stratosphere when it comes to a movie star of that type of caliber because they, they don't you know that that doesn't come along very often you know what i mean like you have your Arnold yeah. schwarzeneggers you have you know your stallones and that and now momo is this big action star and he's just like he does a movie it's guaranteed to be a huge hit just off of his yeah. name alone well i mean even offset he was always you know bigger than life he was he's a very gregarious person very uh, you know, very charming, uh, a lot of fun. So people are kind of drawn to him. And I mean, when we cast him, very clearly you could see that uh, in his on-screen performance. So, I mean, I mean, obviously I'm surprised by the meteoric rise. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm kind of not surprised just because I, you know, I always knew he had that in him and, you know, yeah. it's one of the reasons we, we, we cast him because, I mean, he, he, he has that, that uh, you know, that that you know uh, attraction that uh, that you know obviously you know makes people want to watch him. Now I think one one of the interesting things with um, Stargate, 
that a lot of shows have never been able to survive is the change of cast. And during your mm. time in Stargate, you had to um, replace um, Daniel's character with Corn Nemics, and then you had to mm-hmm. replace um, Richard Dean Anderson's character with Ben Browder. How did they? Um, how easily was it to transition these characters into your writing and into the series? You know, uh, transitioning the characters wasn't that difficult. It was basically saying goodbye to the other characters that that was difficult. Uh, I mean, in the case of Michael, um, you know, he left at the end of my first season. So, I mean, you know, I wasn't really involved in in terms of, you know, his, you know, um, seeing him off and then welcoming in a new character. I mean, that was Brad and Robert who really took – you know, charge in that respect and bringing in, you know, I mean, uh, Michael's a fantastic actor and, 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 you know, I was glad he came back. Uh, but on the other hand, I really love working with Corin and I still, you know, I, I like Corin a lot. He's incredibly talented. He was really pleasant. You know, in the case of, um, Rick, I mean, you know, he was the show and we always thought, Oh, when, when, when he, he's done, the show will be done. But it was almost like, um, you know, rather than, you know, it, it was almost kind of a gradual um, uh, goodbye with Rick because he kind of uh, um, would spend less and less time in Vancouver. So we would kind of write him out more and more until the, you know, the point we decided the eighth season would be his last. And we didn't know whether we would get picked up or not. And, um, you know, I was a huge Farscape fan. So I, I, I said, uh, you know, why don't you suggest – Ben Browder as a possible replacement to sci-fi because I know that, um, you know, obviously they had loved Farscape, but they had canceled the show. So I thought that, you know, maybe they felt maybe a little guilty as well and, and would want to rectify <laughs> that. And, uh, you know, they loved the idea and we brought Ben on and, you know, I love Ben as well. I mean, he's like, just like a really down to earth, you know, um, big hearted guy, and um, and and we brought in in uh, Claudia as well. And originally, Claudia was supposed to be a regular in season nine, but uh, the network thought it would be too much like Farscape, even though her character was like totally different um, from her character in, on, on Farscape. And so basically, we just yeah. had her on for six episodes. And after I think the like the third episode, Sci-Fi, you know, called us up and said, "Like, let's, let's, let's make her a regular." And and at that point, we'd already planned the season, you know the season so we said well too late but we'll making it make her a regular for season two, uh, 10 and and she was a regular for season 10 and she was fantastic now i think the best episode you guys ever had was uh, window of opportunity which i think was absolute genius of an episode uh, classic um how, mm. how did that one come about and also because of the nature of that episode which was kind of groundhog uh, groundhog day-ish in, in a way did it have did you start thinking about like your own opportunities as well so just whatever you want to talk about that show that was just a great episode that was the second episode that we wrote for the show and the first one that was produced. And, and the original pitch was actually very dark. It was about um, SG-1 visiting a planet where this population was facing this world-ending uh, event and they were rebooting uh, time in order to basically buy themselves more time to come up with a solution. And we started to get notes and Rob Cooper was giving us notes, uh, who was a co-executive producer at the time. He was saying, well, you know, make it more like this and let's do this and let's do that. And, and reached a point where I was like, this is basically Groundhog Day. And, and Rob was <laughs> like, yeah, do that. And uh, to be honest, I was like, I kind of dubious at first. And then we went ahead and, you know, we just found that, um, you know, it, it happened a lot on Star on, on Stargate. I mean, you always want to come up with, like, obviously an original idea. And there were so many times when, when we'd be like, oh, Star Trek already did that. 
And so, you know, we, we you know, try to, you know, struggle with that. But ultimately, um, you realize that, uh, I think it was Hemingway that says, that said, I think every story's uh, already been told. But really, what makes it special is that it happens to your characters. And in the case of Window of Opportunity, the fact that it happens to Teal'c and O'Neill, who are the two least grounded, unsi- you know, unsi- unscientifically minded individuals, that was fun. And, you know, uh, Brad and Robert loved the humor. And that's like kind of another thing. I, you know, I, I've often said that humor goes such a long way towards allowing character uh, viewers to connect with characters. And Stargate always had kind of that sense of humor. And that's another reason I think it always resonated with audiences. Um, you know, they, they're all kind of funny in their different ways. Um, uh, O'Neill, certainly more, you know, obviously, but even Teal'c in a subtle way. Um, McKay on, 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 uh, on Atlantis and uh, Eli on, on Universe to a lesser extent. I mean, I think the humor was always important. Now, yeah, I mean, the, uh, Christopher Judge plays Teal'c. I mean, did you guys know just how good of an actor he was? Because a lot early on, he played very much of the straight character. But as the series goes on, you can kind of see that there is humor to the character, and you could tell that's Christopher Judge delivering that. And, and I mean, yeah, did you guys know I, yeah. that you had that with him? Well, to be honest, with you, like I mean, like I said, I, I joined in season four, so at that point, they already had uh, uh, you know three seasons under their belt, and I think it was around the third season that they began to realize. Um, you know, that he had the potential for humor, that they all had the potential for humor. Um, and so, you know, I, I, he was always kind of fun to write for. I mean, one of, one of the uh, first episodes we wrote was also Point of No Return. And, and you know, you know, we, you, you have him on, you know, in a motel room checking out the, there was a, the thousand finger bed. Um, <laughs> you know, it was, he's, you know, kind of a fish out of water. And, and those are, you know, those characters are always a lot of fun to write for. Yeah, I mean that the cast that you that was on that show was just so phenomenal, and I don't know if they ever got enough the credit that they deserved. I mean, you would you assume that every one of them should have been um, stars for a while, long time after, and because our judges yeah, should have been, you know, deserved yeah, so much more. Yeah, I mean, it, I think you know that's true for not just the cast, but but for like this is Brad and Robert who who created the show, and I mean, you know. Um, you know, uh, co-created Atlantis and 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 Universe, and then co-show ran um, uh, SG One. Um, but I mean, they they you know the, the franchise ran for like I think seventeen seasons and made uh, the studio so much money. I'm 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 amazed they didn't get like overall deals. And as for the cast, it's true. Um, Stargate was one of those shows that was surprisingly always off the radar. In North America, yep. I know Rob, uh, you know, one of the kosher runners would go to L.A. and and they'd be like, "What do you what do you what do you work on?" He'd be like, "Well, it's a, a you know a series called Stargate." And they're like, "Oh, does that does that air in America?" And it was like, "Well, we've only yeah. gotten like 350 episodes." Yes. <laughs> on the other hand, whenever they would go to Europe, I mean, especially Paris, Chris said that he couldn't walk down the street without people like yelling "Monsieur Thiel, Monsieur Thiel," and you know, <laughs> chasing him down for autographs. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'll admit I didn't watch the show when it was on Sci-Fi. It waited until the reruns. I got caught up in it, and like I think it was it was on Sci-Fi. I just never thought about. it. I was like, yeah, Sci-Fi. So it's like a, a you know, C-list show. But when it got into mm-hmm. the reruns, I really started paying attention. I was like, this show is phenomenal. It's so smart. D- didn't it start mm-hmm. on Showtime or HBO? HBO. Yep. Yeah, two seasons on Showtime, then it moved to sci-fi. Um, I think actually one of the knocks against it and also the one of the things that basically helped it 
uh, uh, simultaneously was Richard Dean Anderson. I mean, you know, half the people would see his name and they'd be like, oh, that's the show with MacGyver and automatically dismiss it. Whereas other people would be like, holy shit, that's a show with MacGyver. I got to check it out. And so, you know, it was kind of a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I mean, it was, I just thought the show, you guys did such a good job. And like I said, it all came down to the character interactions. And one thing I thought was really interesting was the relationship between O'Neill and Samantha Carter. And yeah. the, a lot of episodes were spent, spent introducing the fact that they will have a relationship, this will happen, and it doesn't ever really become visual. It doesn't really become tangible on the show. And do you mm-hmm. think it should have gone further, or do you think it was good the way they, you guys kind of left it, you know, just imp- implied? Uh, there were differing room. Um, I mean, personally, I think after he left the show, it would have been nice to have some sort of closure and, and you know, at least, you know, suggest that they were together. Um, so... I would prefer to see that, but I mean, you know, I, it, you know, it was a, it was a constant struggle, not just on 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 Atlantis uh, on on SG one, but certainly on Atlantis. Um, you know, the, the the hookups and 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 you know the pairings and and, and you know the, the the fans certainly were very passionate about what they wanted to see and what they didn't want to see. Now, um, as an executive producer and a writer, in your mind, are they a couple? Oh yeah, absolutely, they're a couple. So, like you, you envisioned them. You know, they got married. They had their life and everything. I don't think they've necessarily gotten married. I don't know if if, if uh, O'Neill is a marrying type, but uh, I think they're together. I mean, I, I I I would suspect he's retired and she's probably running Stargate Command now. But you know what? Who knows? Maybe we'll find out in the next uh, Stargate series. I, I really hope you, you guys bring it back, <laughs> find a way to bring it back. Yeah, I'm curious, how did your campaign go for December 6th? Um, you know, it, it's, I, I think I, I know a little more that's going on behind the scenes, and I can't really say, but I will say that it it has had a very positive uh, well, I effect. I like the sound of that. And, uh, and um, you know, I've always said that, that the, you know, uh, the studio would bring back Stargate sooner than later because I mean it, it's just you know too too uh, you know too valuable a franchise to to to, to you know, allow, allow to life follow. Yeah. Um, but their approach has to be. I mean, they have to have, be very careful in their approach. And essentially, that was the 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 intent of the campaign is obviously to let them know that the fandom is out there, but also to let them know that you know we don't want a reboot that essentially wipes out uh, the entire. You know, TV canon. Yeah. Obviously, you want a show that will allow view, new viewers to hop on and not be confused, and you know, basically come in at you know step one. But on the other, on the other hand, you also want a, a show that rewards longtime viewers, and 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 there's a way to do it. And you know, Brad Wright, who as co-creator of all three franchises, is the guy to get that done. So you know, hopefully, he does much sooner than later. Yeah, I. So the oh, sorry, Jeff. One sec. The fan base is fanatic and i used to live with a guy that is the biggest stargate fan i think you could find on the planet he has he has he's bought screen used uh you know bugs (laughs) he's got it on a thing oh yeah you start watching it if if it's on tv if it's a, there's a rerun on, he's watching it. And then as you look over, you could see him literally mouthing all of the dialogue as it's coming up. 
and he knows every wow. single episode frontwards, and, and he just loves it. And he's but the thing is, he goes out in the real world. He doesn't like he doesn't geek out all the time. But Stargate is his that's his jam, and it's wow, and, you know, amazing. Yeah, I can't wait to actually forward this interview to him because he's gonna <laughs> trip out. <laughs> now, there, now if theoretically the show ever does come back. Are we talking a mm. reboot or or a continuation? If it's a continuation, are we looking at the, getting back some of the original characters? I know it's just in talks, but can you give us some hope? Um, yeah, it, it, I mean, like I said, it, you know, nothing is 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 for certain. But um, in operating under the assumption of a best case scenario, and and you know, Brad is at the forefront of of uh, uh, developing and uh, show running a new series. It would be a show. Uh, that would definitely not be a reboot. It would be set in the same uh, universe, if you will. Uh, I think you'd probably want to introduce a new team. Um, so the, so essentially, new viewers could could um, uh, be introduced to the Stargate program along with these new characters. But, you know, in support of the, these new characters, you would have, I think, the old guard. Like, you know, you mentioned Carter. You mentioned... Uh, Dr. Jackson, maybe McKay. Um, and, you know, as you kind of expand the world over the course of the season, you introduce more elements from, from past shows. And you begin to tie up, for instance, stories like, you know, what happened to Destiny and, and, you know, what happened to Atlantis. So, you know, very much a show, like I said, that, that is a great jumping, like a not confusing jumping on point for new viewers yet a show that will will definitely reward uh longtime fans it sounds a little bit like what you did when you um, first brought in stargate atlantis which was you know you, you definitely introduce a new show a new team but that first episode you still get um richard dean anderson on it you still get danny to, to show up and it kind of as a way to kind of hand it over like the baton to say hey guys you can watch this show too it's they're one of us so my question with that yeah. is um tell me about the creation of stargate atlantis and um, how what was the plan to make it feel different, but yet connected to SG One? You know, ultimately, this would really be a better question asked of Brad Wright, and you should reach out to him because uh, he is much more eloquent than I am. Uh, because he and Rob were the co-creators of uh, of Atlantis, um, and you know, they they very much were aware of what made SG One a success. So they, you know, wanted to essentially, you know, capture, uh, you know, a, you know, uh, lightning in a bottle a second time. And they did, I mean, um, different galaxy, uh, kind of different makeup rather than, you know, there's, there's, instead of being a military, um, you know, exploration unit, they were civilian, but they were backed by the military, um, different villains. And yet at the same time, tonally very much in the spirit of the original Stargate SG-1. Um, one of my favorite shows on, on the, in the entire program was um, Reunion on Stargate Atlantis. Um, can you give me a little bit of information on where that came from? Um, that actually came from you know my discussions with Jason Momoa, who said he you know um, wanted to explore more of of, uh, of Ronan's uh, Satidan backstory, and so you know I I, I, I wrote the script and, and ended up reaching out to Mark Dacascos who. Um, you know, is, is just fantastic. The, uh, the chairman on, on, on Iron Chef and, and I think it was long ago, Hawaii Five O and, and, uh, um, Brotherhood of the Wolf way back. Great movie. 
and um, you know, just a super positive on-screen presence, and and we had such a great time with that episode. And then we followed up with kind of the sequel called Broken Ties. When again, Jason came in and he was like, "I want to do an episode where uh, Ronan goes dark side and shaves his head." Uh, so basically, <laughs> we came up with the story, and I had the head shaving scene, and Sci-Fi was like, "No, we are not using it, uh, losing his uh, dreadlocks." And it was at a time <laughs> where where Jason. The, the dreadlocks were kind of really weighing on him, uh, you know, and they were just kind of, uh, I think, kind of fucking up his scalp. And and and, uh, and so he wanted to lose them. And it would have been yeah. a great in-story uh, way to lose them. But, you know, in the end, he ended up, you know, losing the dreadlocks. And, and we ended up having to wig him for sci-fi sake, which, you know, in the end, I guess, is Ronan Ronan without his dreadlocks? I would say yes, but the <laughs> network begged to... To differ. Yeah, I mean, what was great about that reunion episode was that you had a a moral quandary for Jason Momoa's character, Ronan, on whether or not you stay with the Atlantis team or go with, you know, his old family, as it were. And I know you guys at the end of that show kind of made the choice easy for him by making the old family um, kind of villainous. But if they hadn't been villainous, do you think Momoa was still would have oh, his character, Ronan, would still have chosen them, or do you think he would have gone back to Atlantis regardless? You know, very good question. I think, I think given the type, given the character that Ronan was, I think it would have broken his heart. But I think he would have basically returned to his old crew, who needed him. Uh, and uh, you know, the, I, I think that's a decision, the, the hard decision he would have made. Would have made, and although it was kind of, I think the decision he was kind of leaning towards until obviously, like you said, we made things kind of easy for him and. Uh, <laughs> You know, with with the uh, the twist at the end. Well, and, and, well, the other thing I, I really like because once again, the whole show is made on characters, and later on, you you bring in Colonel Carter to the show, and I, I would love to know what brought that on, and did you find um, that that made things difficult in how to write McKay's character because obviously he was the genius on Atlantis, but now Carter is clearly smarter. He's sort of like the Superman versus you know the Shazam. You know, well, Shazam is good, but Superman is Superman. How um, what brought about her her character and you know did that make it difficult for McKay? Uh, you know that yeah yeah that it, it you know it, it was very much a challenge just because as you said there they kind of cover the same territory and there was, was the fun of you know kind of the you know, from 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 McKay's standpoint the unrequited love thing which uh, you know is news to to was news to Sam of course. But, you know, that was always kind of fun to play is, is, you know, McKay had come such a long way. He was, he was such a annoying pain in the ass, uh, an unlikable pain in the ass, um, you know, in, in his introduction in SG one. And then you kind of rehabilitate him and he becomes a likable pain in the ass in Atlantis. And, and it was just interesting, uh, kind of exploring that dynamic with him and Sam and, 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 you know, even though he, he is a jerk. You you know it's very clear that he has much respect for for Sam and you know in terms of sort of bringing uh, Amanda on board I mean you know we love Amanda um, just you know one one of the nicest people and one of the most talented actresses you could ever work with and now an incredibly talented director it was nice having her on you know she was only on obviously for a season then she went off to do to do uh, to do um, Sanctuary which opened the door for Bob Picardo to come on board and, and I'm a huge Bob Picardo fan so. 
you know, it was kind of interesting, uh, you know, seeing kind of the the shift in the, in, in the leadership dynamics from 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 Weir to to Carter to to uh, to Woolsey. Yeah, I mean, I mean, speaking of McKay, McKay must have been really fun to write. I mean, of all the characters on Stargate, he was the one that was the most or most clearly flawed character, and I think that just made him not made him special, made him very identifiable. And what was it like to, to write his character? Yeah, I t- yeah. To be honest with you, I think it was kind of obvious that the writers love to write for McKay for the reasons you said, but also because he was the funny guy, and and more than just you know funny on the page, uh, David Hewlett, you know, w- would take what was on the page, just kind of make it his own, and and just bring it to life in a way that that always surpassed your expectations. And you know, it's it's basically what I said about humor going such a long way towards allowing char- uh, viewers to to connect with characters. He was like a character who you just really loved. He was a very endearing character, even though it was, like I said, a pain in the ass, and and he was flawed, but you couldn't help but love him. Yeah, and and I think part of his redemption, I think, was you, you started creating a, you started creating a relationship with his character with Doctor Keller. Did um, what brought that around? And and I know that got some controversy as well. Do you think it deserved it? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm not the type of, you know, writer who will say, Hey, everything, you know, we wrote, uh, cannot be criticized. I mean, it's a show and you can go different ways. And, and, you know, one of the things about, you know, sci-fi that I, that I said is that audiences are incredibly passionate because, because of the characters, again, they get attached to the characters, what the characters should do, what they shouldn't do. Um, you know, they, they, I don't know if maybe they just liked him alone. Maybe they just preferred Keller with Ronan. Um, but, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I was happy with the way it, it, it turned out, but, but, you know, I always cognizant of, 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 uh, you know, of, of audience response. Jewel state came on and played Dr. Keller, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And she, yeah. she came over from, uh, of course she's super famous from Firefly. And mm-hmm. was she ever, I mean, a lot of people that, that, that are on an iconic show, even though that show was only on for the one season, it's, it has such a huge everlasting effect. People still cosplay, mm-hmm. people still, you know what I mean? Yeah. They still want it to come back. There's the whole movement for, for, was she ever worried about being typecasted into that type of role and then going into from one sci-fi show to another sci-fi show? Cause she seems I'm like. Not- yeah. A really nice no, not person. that I know of. I mean, essentially, she she did she played a role um, in, in in Stargate Atlantis. Was it maybe it was the second season or the third season yeah. of a, a kind of a, a a wraith hybrid named Ella? And I mean, she was you know unrecognizable beneath the the wraith makeup, oh. but she was such a pleasure nice. to work with, and she was so good that we're like, oh, we got to find a way to bring her back. And um, you know, after. Um, the, the the episode where we you know we lost uh, uh, Beckett, um, you know we were thinking of you know well we're going to bring in you know another doctor and actually we you know we had planned to bring in a, in a an, an another doctor character, another actress, but there was a w- kind of a weird situation where I think her agent said she was unavailable, but it turns out she had been available. But in any case, because we assumed you know we the agent had told us we were unavailable, we're like okay, we got to look elsewhere. Yeah. So we started to look, and 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 I mean, you know, uh, I'd, I'd watch Firefly, and I'd love Firefly, and 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 
you know, I mean, sci-fi fans love that cross-pollination. The, yeah, they the do. you know, the, 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 you know, it, you know, seeing kind of, um, you know, actresses or actors they love play, playing other roles or, or, you know, guest starring on other shows. And the, the character of Jennifer Keller was so different from the character that Jewel played on, on, on Firefly in much the same way that, right. that Claudia was so different from, you know, Aaron soon and, and, and on Farscape. So I think that was ever really, really an issue for her, but you know, that's the question you could ask her when you interview her. Yeah. I'd love to <laughs> go ahead, Jeff. So tell me about Stargate Ex- Extinction. Um, what, what was it going to be? And do you feel Stargate Atlantis never was able to fully complete without it? Um, Stargate Extinction was, uh, you know, or, originally we had planned it to be the first two episodes, the opener for season, what was going to be season six. I mean, Rob Cooper came in and and he was like, well, why don't you write a two-hour, you know, uh, movie that can actually be the opening, uh, you know, uh, two-part of season six. You can produce it at the end of, of season five, and basically, if we don't get that season six pickup, you can release it as a direct-to-video feature. So we're like, great, and we signed the deal, and then they uh, ultimately, we, we didn't get to, to, to shoot it within um, you know, the production schedule of season five, but we still you know, assumed that we would be... Um, you know, be producing it at some point, and then the kind of the bottom fell out of the DVD market, and MGM didn't want to proceed. Um, but I mean, basically, the story was um, Atlantis's return to the Pegasus Galaxy. I mean, the the ending of of um, you know that that last scene in season five, when when you know they're they're back on Earth, looking out at at uh, was the Golden Gate Bridge. I think, I think that's that, where were they. Were they were they in San Francisco or New York? I think they were in San Francisco. I think. <laughs> um, I think so. But I mean, while it, it's a very nice uh, scene, it was ne- you know when we wrote it, it was never intended as as a series ender. So we always intended them to go back to to Pegasus, and and so you know I, you know I do a, a daily blog where I mean I've been blogging for almost like twelve years st- straight without missing a day. And, um, you know, amongst the many things I've covered wow. on the blog are, uh, you know, as, as you say, a lot of behind the scenes videos and stories. And one of the things is I gave a breakdown more or less of what 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 happens in an in, in, in extinction. And just recently at Comic-Con, um, because I had like the script, MGM uh, put together a panel and we, we did a, a little um, panel read of the uh, of the uh, of, of, you know, some of the scenes. It was kind of fun. Cool. Wow, that was a lot of Stargate. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That was a lot of insight, Joseph. That was really cool. Thank you so much for doing that with the. Uh, oh my with pleasure. Jeff. Thank Jeff you guys for uh, having me. And again, I apologize for arriving late. No, I got a couple more questions for you if you don't mind. If you want to hang out yeah. a little bit, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. what do you have going on today, Sans? Uh, the the Stargate push that you you're doing that people should should be aware of. Uh, be aware of. I don't know if you know. I mean, I'm really in development now, and I'm, yeah. I'm working on. Honestly, I think I counted eleven different projects. Wow. Um, all of which you know, because you you have to juggle so many things in this business because you never know what's going to go. Right. Um, one of the ones I'm 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 really have my heart set on is is a uh, a kind of a sci-fi. Uh, 
time travel series, which is very much in the, in the spirit of window of opportunity. And, and if you watch dark matter, I did, you know, uh, shows like, uh, episodes like, isn't that a paradox and all the time in the world, yeah. uh, just a sci-fi with a sense of humor. And that's in development. Um, I've just delivered the second script and I'm kind of hopeful for that. Uh, oh, I'm hopeful crossed. for a Stargate return. Uh, so hopeful for that. Um, and then, you know, there are a couple of other, I'm, I'm, I'm developing something for DC comics Yeah, that has been going on for a while now. I was going to ask if you had uh, any so, return to comics going to happen. Yeah. You know what? I would, I would love for it to happen, but it's, you know, it's, it's been such a kind of a slow process yeah. uh, that I don't, I don't know what's, what's going to come. Like I said, I mean, you know, you, you have to sort of juggle so many projects. Um, and then I, I got a couple of uh, book adaptations and and i've been fielding i, I you know i, I t- today I, I ended up um doing an interview for a um um a film a sci-fi film franchise that um they're looking to adapt to television and they're looking for a showrunner Ooh. and so i ended up talking to them about that and then i ended up i i'm i'm i've talked to like four different places about potential showrunning opportunities yeah um but again you never know you know, yeah. whether the shows are actually going to go, whether basically they're, they're going to go with you or someone else or if something else will come al- come along. And, you know, so um, a lot of a lot of irons in the fire, but we'll see. Of course, this 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 virus puts a damper on things and may delay yeah. things. So, uh, you know, it's kinda, hopefully it's we'll be back in it sooner than later. Is there anything that you've <clears throat> like self-creation, right, that you've created that you would love to get out there? in a TV or movie platform that people might not know about? Yeah, it's basically the, 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 the series I mentioned timescape. It's the, uh, it's, it's kind of a, like a fun sci-fi time travel series. And, you know, I, I've always been a big fan of obviously sci-fi, sci-fi yeah. with humor, yeah. but time travel, uh, alternate universes and, and, and just kind of the, the fun, um, you know, uh, it's those kind of evergreen sci-fi concepts that you can kind of give a special twist uh, and and just kind of make it your own. And ultimately, it's a story again, like like Star Trek, like yeah. Star Wars, like Stargate about uh, family. Yeah, you got so, you get you really got to watch Orville. Everything you just described is what Orville is. I well, I definitely am. well, I I have the time now, so I definitely will. There you go. <laughs> well. Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. This was stupendous. I had a great time. Thank you guys for having me. Anytime. Johnny, you didn't get a lot of words in on that one. <laughs> Do I ever, though, when it's you I and somebody you else? I had a total of 20 words. <laughs> That's twenty. That's like five more than last time. <laughs> I remember that one time we were. I can't remember who it was, but you were editing, and you're like, "I said three words." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I said "hi," "huh," and "bye" in that one. <laughs> Sometimes I just like to listen. I don't know. I just yeah. It, it flows so well. I don't feel like I have to talk too much. I don't know. Joseph was so cool. It, yeah. It's nice that you know he took all those Stargate questions from Jeff. Yeah. And just and just wholeheartedly answered them. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, it was great. Yeah. So I always worry sometimes when you 
have a deep dive on one subject with somebody who has done so many other things. Right. They're going to get bored or upset. Yeah. Or yeah. I've, I've said this so many times, you know? Yeah. I've already answered this question a hundred times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Jeff had really good questions. He always does, And though. Joseph, yeah. Joseph just really, man, he was great. I can't wait to have him on again. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be, going to be fun. And he was, it was a good interview, good, solid information. Jeff has great questions. We had fun. I said a lot of great, and everything I said was solid gold. I just want to put that out there. So. <laughs> All right, guys, if you enjoyed that interview, and I hope you did as much as we enjoyed making it, yeah. then you should head over to Spoilerverse.com because there is a plethora of content for you. Uh, we probably have 600 some odd episodes between 13 different podcasts. At least. Well over one to 200 hours. Nothing behind a paywall. Well, I mean, real realistically, man, we got at least 300 hours just our show. Yeah. Because we're at 330-some episodes at a, an average of 45 to an hour apiece. That's just our show. There you go. There's so much stuff there with us, with Bridge and the Geekdom, with the Haphazard Adventures, with the backstock of Nerdtocalypse, with Misery Point Radio, with all the other new ones that are, are coming up all the time. And, and right now on the show, every Sunday, we're spotlighting one of the shows on our network on this channel. So you'll be able to listen to it and see if you like it or not. And then go subscribe. There you go. So if you like all that, give us a subscribe. Go to your podcatcher, look up Spoiler Country, hit subscribe. That helps us out tremendously. And then download Another all the episodes. Is, what's that? And then download all the episodes. Yeah. Yeah, right? Download them all twice. Yeah. And if you you know, want to take it that extra step, this helps even more. Go to your favorite site that you want to listen to podcasts on, like iTunes or Google Play or whatever it is. Look up Spoiler Country and give us a review. It unbelievably helps us tremendously, and we'd really appreciate it. Yeah, not only does it let us know what you think about our show and how we're doing, but it lets other people know what you think of our show and helps them find us. And maybe maybe there's people out there who haven't heard us yet who will love us. Yep. So there you guys go. Yeah. All right. That's a show. That's a show. All right. Don't forget, in Oceans of Podcasts, we are Cthulhu. And as Cthulhu compels you to do, open the mind and read more.